0: And welcome to another episode of the Marvin's World podcast, a podcast where you speak to absolutely fascinating, transcendent, and absolutely fantastic and interesting individuals. People who help people like you and me make what we love a full-time job. If you like the podcast and you like this episode, share it with your friends and give us a review on iTunes. Today, we're in for an absolutely fantastic guest, his name is Jonathan Royal. He is, uh, if you ever thought of Little Britain with hypnotism, or if you ever thought of any sort of tricks of the mind, he is your man. He he is a man who, who and he is a man that is going to debunk today many of the myths we hold. Well, let's do it again. I'll do it again. Let's do it a bit better. Okay, you, you go for it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marvin's World podcast, a podcast where we speak to absolutely amazing and fantastic people, people who inspire us to do what we love. If you like the episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review. Today we have an absolutely amazing guest. His name is Jonathan Royal. He is a man who is a connoisseur of hypnotism. He is, as he said you name it, he's done it, and he is today going to help us debunk many of the myths held with hypnotism. Hello, Jonathan.
1: Hi there, Marvin. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad, man. I'm I'm feeling hypnotic today.
1: Well, um, look, <laughs> I know this this obviously goes out on the audio podcast platforms and stuff. So I'm just clarifying: is there a video version at all? Uh. I
0: will occasionally take short bits of the episode and put it on YouTube or Instagram. As clips.
1: Oh, okay, well, a little bit later then. Remind me, and we can do an experiment. Now, it will work to a degree to people who are listening, but it okay. will work even better for people who can visually see what we do when we do that experiment. So maybe then you want to just take that bit where we do the experiment later and put it on YouTube so people can participate in it as well, so they can get an experience of... What hypnosis is, perhaps, yeah? Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm here and I'm prepared to answer anything and everything you may throw at me in regards to all things hypnotic, because um, there is a lot of um, nonsense out there. But so, you know, fire away, sir. So what, what is like
0: your sort of journey into hypnotism? Because I hear, from what I've seen and what I've found about you, you have had quite an interesting life.
1: Um, yeah, it's more interesting, likely, when, when it wasn't happening to you. It's like anything. The grass is always greener, so to speak. Um, we tend to get to a point where we take things for granted when we're involved in them and it's happening to us. But I was born on a travelling circus. Um, so... Crikey, I was th- literally three and a bit. So I was born in 1975. So by... Towards the end of 1978, I was Britain's Jungi's professional-paid circus clown, um, doing comedy and clowning in the circus ring with my dad. Um, Tizzy the Clown is um, called when he's doing clowning on Gandhi Circus in um, England. And that's... I, I, My life started off growing up on the circus and seeing from the inside that things are not always as they seem to be. By that, I mean, in the circus, you can go and see things that look death defying and incredibly dangerous. But let me tell you, having been on the inside, a lot of them, as long as you're using the right equipment, are pretty relatively safe. Uh, With the exceptions, obviously, of... um, You know, if you're on a high wire and you fell off without safety net, you're likely to kill yourself. But what I'm saying is the stuff that looks dangerous that actually isn't as dangerous as it looks. And invertly, there's stuff that doesn't look that dangerous might be visually entertaining and amazing looking, but it doesn't look that dangerous that actually. If it goes slightly wrong, can prove pretty damn um, dangerous for the performer. Things are not always the way they appear. It can often be inverted. And I learned this at a very early age. And that view on life developed further when I kind of rebelled against my dad because when I got to being about, it was shortly before I was um, seven, my mum wanted us to settle down and live in a house rather than travelling with the circus. My dad carried on travelling and I would go at the weekends and holidays and perform with him. But during the week, rather than going to different schools, we, we then got a house and I, I went to the schools. Well, school, rather than travelling around. But I started getting bullied by the teachers because I was getting a peer. I was appearing in national newspapers here in England. There's a paper called The Daily Mirror. And in there I was uh, featured at the age of six with a headline, Alex, the circus, 60 and after that went in, pointing out that I was performing weekends, holidays, and getting paid for it, I think the teachers worked out I was probably earning more money than them. I don't know if it was jealousy or something, but I started getting, for want of a better phrase, bullied by the teachers, treated like shit, and school became kind of a living hell. So I I, I practically begged my mum to take me out of that school, but there were no other schools nearby. So we actually ended up moving by the time I was eight to a town about seven, eight miles away, just so I could go to a different school, where fortunately the teachers were great about the fact that I did performing and appeared in the media on reasonably frequent occasions. But unfortunately the children, the other pupils, um, found it weird and targeted me as the odd one out. So the bullying stopped from the teachers but started from pupils. And I kind of blamed this on my dad because I figured that if he'd not got me into doing the circus clowning, then I wouldn't have been in the media, then I wouldn't have become the victim for bullying. But by this point, I kind of got addicted to an audience applauding or laughing at the right times because it gives you that feel good feeling, um, dopamine release in the brain. It's like you'll hear a lot of performers say it's the best drug. And that's why when they're not on stage, they'll often feel like, or they've not performed for a while, they'll, they'll feel really down and low. And that's why a lot of them end up turning to drugs, alcohol, sex and other stimulants to try and get some sense of that feeling they get when an audience is clapping or laughing at the right time. So I stopped doing the clowning, but I wanted that applause. And... From an early age, my hobby, because I was getting paid to perform as a clown, but my hobby was magic, as in conjuring tricks. And indeed, at the age of four and a bit with my dad, we were on the Golden Mile in Blackpool, promoting the Paul Daniels Magic Museum that was on the Golden Mile, doing a head guillotine illusion out the front and then getting people to come in and... If if you're in a different country hearing this, if you just go on uh, YouTube and type in Paul Daniels, you'll soon see what a major star he was, um, you know, in in Britain. So all the money I was earning at that young age, I was buying magic and I was fortunate that we also knew a lot of magicians because we were in show business and I was getting taught stuff. So when I rebelled against my dad and stopped doing the clowning, I already had put together a... A reasonably professional or more standard magic act that I could then turn to performing magic and doing magic shows to get that applause or uh, laughter or different audience reactions that were relevant, that, um, as it does for many performers, made me feel valued and, and kind of worthwhile. If you like, it is like a drug, a psychological drug performing the reaction. So I was rebelling against my dad, but I was still performing, and I then quickly discovered that it wasn't so much the fact that it was I'd been a circus clown that caused me to be seen as the odd one out. Just performing in general, I was still getting bullied by the kids when they saw me in the papers as a magician and um, doing stuff like that. So I became very depressed when I wasn't performing. I was very much a loner, um, and I came across a book when I was about. 10, 11, called, in, in the library, in the adult section, called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Okay. And I, th- I saw the title and I thought, How to Win Friends and Influence People, hang on. If I could do that, then they're not going to bully me. Seems seemed the obvious answer. So I got the book and I read it. And what I very quickly discovered is that the contents of the book, whilst they may have sound psychological basis, and they do to a degree, and whilst they may work reasonably well for adults using them on other adults, they don't work at all well for an 11, 12-year-old trying to use them on other 11, 12-year-olds to stop themselves getting bullied. In fact, if anything, it actually makes matters worse. Um, so that didn't help. But what I did notice when I took the book back to the library, it contents having spectacularly failed that um in that same section because I, I saw it in the section next to where the magic books were uh the sports and the pastime section had the magic conjuring books in the next it was the psychology and self-help and i noticed a book by a guy called emil couet c-o-u-e um a french guy no longer with us dead years ago but he's very famous for coming up with the saying, day by day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. He was kind of the guy who came up with the idea of giving yourself positive thinking self-affirmations to help program yourself to think positively so that positive things will manifest in your life. Um, I suppose you could classify it as being that he planted the seed years ago for what in more recent times has grown into what people call the law of attraction. secret and all that kind of um i was going to say bunkum but it isn't bunkum it it works if you use it right the trouble is these books that are out there that make millions of millions of dollars and pounds for their authors don't quite explain it right or people don't understand it and use it right because if they did then the kind of self-help publishing industry will be out of business because people wouldn't need to buy any more books. And yeah, actually, the self-help publishing industry is growing every year. It's a multi-billion pound industry where people buy books again and again and again, which kind of tells you that that means that either A, what's in the books doesn't work, or that the people who buy the books uh, don't put it into action right, or they do put it into action right, but then they... seems
0: like too much effort so they give up doing it yes oh. it's, it's funny that you mention all that yeah exactly but i, I there's a youtuber called james janney and he exposes a lot of like pyramid schemes and a lot of sort of things of lord attraction as well and like mm-hmm. and one of the things that they play on is that people get this sort of high that you get from drugs that makes them keep getting it and so they feel like they're progressing but there's no concrete results that they're progressing or getting what they want. And exactly what you said there. Yeah. I mean, yes. they would be poor if, they, if if what they said worked because then they wouldn't need to buy the products.
1: But, but the thing is what they say does work in essence, but it doesn't, they don't tell them, they tell them enough like you've just said to kind of get that short term high or feel good factor, but with no long lasting kind of results so they have to buy the next piece of the jigsaw and the next piece, and they may or may not have a piece it all together. Whereas if you're told all the bits of the jigsaw and shown how to fit them together, then you won't need any more books. You won't need any more audio cassettes, sorry, compact disc, downloads, whatever, because you would already have all those abilities within you to be able to then utilize them, um, adapt them, To whatever context or situation in your life and most of the self-help industry personal development industry is um a lot like religion really structured to keep people dependent and coming back and i i really don't i really don't agree with that at all um
0: yeah it's basically sharks effectively they're playing on vulnerable people. I don't know someone who's been bullied or down and they think, oh, I can't do this, but they give them that hope and they keep them hooked.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And, and lo- lots of these gurus, I call it gurus, I mean, it's ironic because my website's magicalguru.com, but all the word guru means is teacher. And the truth is that if you teach somebody properly, it should be like, and I'm not in any way religious, but it should be like that biblical saying Teach a man to fish. Uh, sorry, give a man a fish, and he, you know he feeds for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he can eat every day. Kind of thing. It should be like that, but they don't teach you how to. I'm going to use the metaphor. They don't. They might teach you to fish. Some of these girls gurus but only in certain kinds of water they don't tell you about having to use different baits in different waters or different techniques in different situations no you'd have to come back for a different course for that or a different book no just just give people what they need in the first place is what it should be um we'll we'll get to that briefly because along my journey i was seeking answers and um Dale Carnegie's book didn't work, as I said. But I ended up noticing this MLQA book, and there was, as well as his affirmations, there was a technique in there called the law of reversed effort. And in a thing called NLP, they term it what resists persists. Or they say you get more of what you focus on in life. And this is why a lot of so-called law of, re- um, law of attraction stuff doesn't work for people, because they spend too much time thinking about what they don't want. So they don't want to be poor. They don't want to, um, you know, be a failure in a certain area. Rather than being focused on the outcome, becoming the successful individual or having more abundance of money. And if your mind is focused or allowing to entertain the ideas of the possibility of failure or it not happening, then that is going to create a bigger subconscious, unconscious, your personal necktop computer mental image that's going to plant as a negative seed and grow bigger, just like the person who goes for a job interview, sitting in the waiting room, thinking to themselves, I hope I don't mess up. I hope they don't ask me the wrong question. I hope I don't look nervous when I get in there. And what they're doing is giving themselves suggestions, actually, that they're entertaining the possibility that those things could happen. And by telling themselves those things could possibly happen, it's more likely they will go in there and screw up in some way and appear nervous and ridiculous whereas if they'd focused on okay I'm going to go in there I'm going to breathe deeply and regularly I'm going to be calm all I can do is do the best answer anything I'm asked honestly and I'm either going to get the job or I'm not because the truth is either my honest answers are going to be enough to get the job or they're not um then there won't be anything to get stressed worried anxious caught upon for the unconscious mind our imaginations to blow up out of all proportion so they're far more likely to actually be calm and relaxed and in turn to come across better and in turn have an increased better chance of actually mm-hmm. getting what they want
0: so one thing i want to ask on top of that is so there's the book on napoleon hill right where he can the-
1: grow rich
0: yeah And he claims to have interviewed that person. But when you look at the details, the person he claimed to interview had completely different beliefs to what it says in that book. And him himself didn't do that well. Um, But he said that, yeah, as you said here, you should just think about, like, as as a fact, think about success and about the outcome, what you're going to get. But one of the things that I want to look into is... how. if if you just it's good to think about the outcome, but what if what if like I mean someone punches you in the face and you still think oh like oh I'm going to think about positive thoughts or this and that I mean where does that come
1: in? Well, um, funnily enough, um, that's kind of where I was going because in that book by MLQA, there's the law of reversed effort that I mentioned. It, it gives the idea that the word "try" is a powerful suggestion. Because if you tell somebody to try to do something, the word "try" implies the possibility of failure or it being difficult. Okay. And if they get caught up on that idea, it's more likely to become a self-fulfilling prophecy that it doesn't occur for them. Which is why you will see um hypnotists on stage telling people to place their hands together and squeeze them together tightly and imagine them gluing, locking, welding, cementing together. And at the end, they'll say to them, okay, now try. To separate your hands, the more you try, the more they stick, lock, glued, weld, cement, pulled together. Well, yeah, part of it is the mentally imagining those ideas of the hands being glued, locked, welded, cemented together. But the biggest factor is the word "try," planting that seed of doubt—the idea that there's the possibility there that it will be difficult or impossible to separate their hands. And I read this in the MLK book and. The next day when the bully who most days would pin me against the wall and slap or hit me and then walk off laughing his head off with his little mini gang came up to me and pinned me against the wall prior to him doing what he normally did, which was to, you know, basically start saying disgusting and offensive insults and stuff so that his little gang would laugh his little cult following would laugh at him for a while before he got fed up and decided to hit me. I thought, sod this, use what they call in NLP a pattern interrupt, which is to do something unexpected that people don't expect to occur so that their mind suddenly goes, "What? Well, uh, what's going on? That's not meant to happen. And then in that moment, while they're in that kind of dazed sensory overload state, you give them, uh, if you give them a, a suggestion, a command, it's more likely to be, Uh, acted upon because they're in that day state of what the heck's going on that's not supposed to happen and then their analytical critical faculty that normally rationalizes things in everyday life is too busy trying to work out what was going on that just confused them so when they get an instruction they just kind of act on it that's the theory at least Uh, i didn't know if it worked at the time and i just turned around and but we didn't why waste time trying to you know, make jokes about me or insult me? Just bloody hit me if you're going to do it. Go on, try, try and hit me now. <laughs> because I figured I had nothing to lose because I was going to get hit anyway because I knew that's what happened every day. So I had nothing to lose. And what happened is, at the moment of saying, you know, why waste time? Why not just hit me now? It's almost like a glazed look came over the person's eyes, like, what the f- bleeping hell's going on? And then I bombarded with it on, well, try, just hit me now, try, try and hit me now. And they just suddenly let go of me, turned to their little cultish group of a few other, you know, pupils, looked back at me and went, I won't repeat the exact words because it was swearing, but it was basically, F off, you effing idiot, you're an effing lunatic, stay away from me. And got their uh, little group to follow them because they they're clearly looking back on it now weren't expecting that would have been the last thing they expected and didn't know how to rationalize it it was sensory overload like the book said and you either need a conclusion the mind seeks a logical conclusion or a retreat and escape from it it's kind of when you get in the okay. fight or flight mode and Never, never after that day did that particular individual basically say a word to me or come near me. It, it and that was the first time I thought, Oh, there's something in these psychological techniques. Um, and started digging into it and looking into it more. So, to answer your question of what good positive thinking or these kind of techniques, if you've been hit, well, use correctly, they can stop you from. Getting hit. Um, But also, you know, if you have been hit and attacked, it's this is a very severe example. But there are people out there who, uh, and I'm not making light of things, I want to make that clear. There's people out there who get raped and it ruins their life completely. That's it. For the rest of their life, they're having flashbacks. They've got what is arguably called post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, they develop a victim mentality. They see the dark side of everything, depression, anxiety, panic attacks setting, just everything that negative that you could think of happens. But there's people that experience similar rape situations, sometimes even worse, who after the initial shock uh, and trauma, Rather than going down the men uh, victim mentality route, take it as a life changing defining moment and go, This is not going to beat me, and I'm going to help other people to avoid becoming victims. And you see, if you look out on the internet or on blogs, websites, or in women's magazines, especially, they regularly do features on, on people who've like the worst thing you could imagine in life's happened to them. But rather than you know, becoming one of those people that life goes downhill from there on in. They take that as a focal point, a motivation to not let it drag them down, to use that as the thing of, you know, today might seem a bit crap, the weather might not be wonderful, I might not have that much money, but you know what, nothing could ever be as bad as it was the day when X, Y, Z occurred. So let's crack on and make the best of this. And they are two extremes of the scale. And for the majority of people, thank God, life comes somewhere more in the middle. But life, your your world, the one thing that you can control, as it were, and have power over is the way you choose to react to any and all situations. OK. And may I ask...
0: So- how How is sort of the metaphysical and yourself sort of connected? How is that all connected?
1: Well, let's just clarify. What do you personally mean by metaphysical?
0: So when people are saying, like, your thoughts and your mind, how does that shape the universe and all that? You know, was
1: How... Well, you know, to some degree, it depends how arty-farty, winky-wanky, tree-hugging, new-age, bullshitting you want to get. Um... <laughs> To some degree, there is an argument that, uh, you know, there is a universal consciousness that we all tap into. It's just some of us do it uh, more regularly than others. And there's an argument that um, people like Nikola Tesla, uh, the great inventor and Einstein, tapped into this universal consciousness because they often talked about waking up and having had dreams that gave them ideas or they didn't know where the idea came from and they actually make reference to that, that. you know they may have tapped into a universal consciousness maybe maybe who knows we can't prove for definite that there isn't such a thing so we have to kind of entertain the possibility personally um In terms of how do our thoughts affect the world, Well, obviously, if everything you do is a negative thought with negative intent and you have zero um, regard for your fellow human being or for the planet or for the environment, then it's going to have a negative effect to some degree on the world. Of course it is, on other people, their reactions to you. Um, uh, The environment slowly apparently getting worse. But, you know, again, it's it's not rocket science. If you... I don't care whether people want to be vegetarian, meat eaters, vegans, whatever. Whatever they want to do, that's their own choice. All, All I would say is that, generally speaking, if you do something natural something that's completely normal and natural, you will tend to in the long term get natural, good, positive results. Now with food eating, in nature and the wild man tended to eat both vegetables and meats or history shows us. Now you're kind of vegetarian vegan camper people would say yes but you know there's evidence that um eating meat and stuff can cause cancers and that well actually look into a deeper the, the what the evidence actually tends to show is that processed um interfered with meats but also this could be plant-based produced foods as well if they've been sprayed with pesticides and all this that the other it's the unnatural things that cause the unnatural results physically and so it's the same way with the mind if you have negative thoughts all the time or you see the worst in situations you are far more likely to end up dipping into depression you are far more likely to end up experiencing anxiety and stress um, or having panic attacks or if you do encounter a traumatic or, you know, painful one-off unexpected life experience, if when you experience that you were already in a depressed, anxious, stressed out, overwhelmed state of mind, you're far more likely to go down the victim mentality route than if you were more positive and out, you know, positive thinking, more go-getter, more confident prior to that traumatic experience happening, when, yeah, it may knock you down a few pegs, but because you were already more, I'm going to say, energised like a battery, so to speak, that when it's deflated a bit, you're still at a higher level than the negative thinkers were to start with. So you're more likely to go down the... I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm going to use it as motivation to never let life take me that low ever again. Okay. Type State of mind. Um, what what was your
0: sort of journey into sort of, under, yeah, to becoming a hypnotist and sort of, so you, you sorted out a bully through doing that, but like, what was your journey into like becoming a, fully understanding like hypnosis and the way the brain works
1: well the first thing i did was take a a um training course in hypnotherapy which i was actually only it was 19 uh early 1989 at the time so when i'd passed the course i was still only just 14 years of age Uh, Needless to say, I lied about my age on the application form because this was a correspondence distance learning course. I figured that they probably wouldn't let a 14 year old or 13 as I was when I started taking it, 14 when I passed it, take it. So I lied and said I was 18. Only after I'd passed the exam, did I contact them and say, I've got to come clean, I'm not 18. And after much deliberation, they ended up issuing me a new certificate with my proper date of birth on because they said, well, at the end of the day, you passed the exam. We're not that happy you lied, but we do agree that we wouldn't have let you take the course in the first place if you told us up front your age. But as you passed the exam and you've done the coursework along the way, we can't take it away from you that you passed and you clearly understood it. So I became the youngest ever member at the Association of Professional Hypnotherapists and Psychotherapists. Um, The the time was run by, no longer with us, he's died now, but Dr. Brian Howard ran it. And from there, I actually started treating people, advertising for clients, although I lied about my age because I figured clients wouldn't come to a 14-year-old. So I used the certificate I had that made out I was 18 when I went to the local newspaper and said I'd passed. So the photograph showed me with a diploma, but it kind of confirmed that I was 18. That was the only bit of kind of credibility because, to be honest, I looked about 14. Um, But I did get clients and I started making money and I I just put my neck on the line because I was used to dealing with the media and ended up within a couple of weeks. And I'm still only 14 on uh, BBC, Greater Manchester BBC Radio. Uh, stopping somebody smoking with hypnosis and they followed it up again several weeks later to see whether the person had started again and when they reported that the person was still a non-smoker that got me a whole bunch more clients and I just then carried on learning doing courses reading books but I learned far more by helping people in the real world but also then Great, it was earning me money, but it wasn't getting me a round of applause, because strangely enough, at the end of the therapy session, the person doesn't tend to stand up and clap. And I still had that desire for that audience reaction. And I saw a stage hypnotist perform, and I thought, hang on, I know how to hypnotise people. And there was a little bit of mention of stage hypnosis in the course I did. Maybe I should give that a go, and I did. And at first, it didn't work too well. Then I got the hang of it, and also sought more training on that particular niche area. I'd ended up being able to do a stage hypnosis show. By by the time I was uh, 15 and a half, I was regularly doing hypnosis shows in pubs and clubs and kind of mastered that side of it. But because I'd come from a background of trickery and deception, whether it was magic tricks or the truth behind how certain things worked on uh, the fairground or the circus, both of which I grew up around, I looked for the what I perceived as the tricks, the easy way of making things work and making them work more consistently and regularly. And it was that rabbit hole that led me to studying persuasion, more conventional psychology, um, and looking at emotional and psychological manipulation, as I would term it, um, what is more commonly called, by people out there, mind control techniques, how to get people to do things against their will. How do governments brainwash, manipulate people with propaganda? How do they control the media to slowly drip feed a narrative, a message into the human mass populace's consciousness so that they slowly it builds up to the point where people believe something for which there's actually no particularly really good evidence if you were to start digging. And yet, by that point, it doesn't matter about evidence because if the majority of a population have been led to believe something, it doesn't matter how often that small minority tell them it's not true. It's too late then, it's in there.
0: So what you've basically said there is like the men in black thing, where he says that a person is smart, but people are stupid.
1: Group mentality, people are much easier to manipulate in groups than they are as individuals, without a doubt, Uh, which is one of the keys to doing a stage hypnosis show. The more volunteers you have on stage, the more likely they are to unquestionably accept the suggestions and commands they're given to the point where it becomes an automatic reaction to respond to whatever the hypnotist says because they don't feel... um, victimised and on their own because they're surrounded by other people doing silly, daft, crazy things that the hypnotist has made them do. Whereas if there was just one person on the stage and everyone else staring at them, the pressure's on. They're far less likely to do it.
0: Okay. And when you look at a lot of like hypnosis out there, what I mean, how many sort of branches are there? Like you have NLP, you have like stage hypnosis. Like there is a
1: there isn't a ton of branches. There's a lot of people that come up with different names and repackage elements or old techniques and give them different slants so they can justify giving it a fancy name that they can copyright. And then because they've trademarked some fancy name, they can charge people money to take that course, so that they can license them then to have a certificate in it and to use the name and be able to use a logo on their website and apparently attract clients. The truth is, the underlying reason why all of those psychological techniques, whether they're called hypnotherapy, NLP, to better mind control, whatever the frigging hell it's been relabeled as, the reasons why they work are always the same when they do work. It's just most of these people teaching things don't teach their students how it truly works because they want them to come on the next course when they come up with another fancy sounding name and apparently fancy technique. When at the end of the day, they're just important seeming ritualistic processes for people to focus their conscious attention on. And when their conscious mind is focused on something to the exclusion of everything else, that means that then the critical faculty, analytical area of the brain, that section that rationalizes things and questions, is this right, is it wrong, kind of goes to sleep or goes on a lunch break type of thing. And at that point then, what the hypnotist or therapist or um, person with nefarious, persuasionist maybe, they might be called, commands or suggests to the person, very little conscious attention is paid to it, there's not really any rationalization or critical faculty analysis of it. It just goes into your personal nettop computer, your unconscious, subconscious mind. And just like a computer given a command and then enter is pressed, immediately the commands put in, as long as the you know the admin passwords already been put into the computer, it automatically is accepted and acted upon. So what well-
0: basically like NLP or anything you hear is basically hypnosis or that, that's what it is effectively it's all the same thing hypnosis.
1: NLP is hypnosis generally without people closing their eyes and going through a formal trance induction process but the truth is an important seeming ritualistic process such as those used in NLP still fixates the conscious mind into following some process or routine. Uh, so although the eyes are open and you're in what's known as the waking state you are still getting critical faculty analytical area of the mind bypass and therefore um ultimately suggestions are going to the unconscious subconscious mind so yeah it is doing the same thing but just with the person's eyes open
0: okay and what's what do you make of maybe some misconceptions or what, I mean, what do you make of the various, as we spoke earlier before we started the podcast, like you basically described hypnosis it like a hammer is what you do with it.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, a hammer, a claw hammer, for example, one end you can use for hammering nails in the other end for pulling them out. That's one option. A creative individual might use that hammer to um, hammer a screwing rather than a nail because you can't find a bloody screwdriver. Um, They might use the claw hammer end to pull, not a nail out, but something that's been embedded uh, you know, a tent stake, a stake for keeping your tent safe when you're camping. There's different uses, but then someone with nefarious negative intent could come along, take that hammer and use the claw hammer end to um, gouge somebody's eye out. Or they could use the normal hammer end to whack somebody on the head and crack the skull and kill them. So it's the positive or negative intent of the tool that... Um, helps define the outcome and so it is with hypnosis or, or hypnosis is just a word just as nlp is a phrase uh, as are them. loads of phrases out there for what is using really uh, just emotional and psychological manipulation and persuasion techniques and yes emotional and psychological manipulation techniques can be used positively to help people overcome habits, addictions, fears, and phobias, to make them feel better about themselves, um, to make them have a happier relationship, to make them more productive at work because they'd feel better about themselves or more confident. But consequently, they can also be used by those that want to, to make people feel scared And to incite fear into them or to make them feel shitty about themselves. So they don't attempt to progress up the career ladder. Um, You know, people have a a volatile office relationship with someone else they work with. That person may purposely be using emotional manipulation techniques to make you feel inferior so that you doubt yourself, so that you don't climb up the um, career ladder so it gives them more chance of getting the promotions when they come up rather than you. It's every area of life. Religion uses fear to massively manipulate people. The invention of the idea that if you do something bad, you're going to go to hell when you die. And yet in recent times, we've actually had priests and popes come out and admit hell is a manufactured construct. Um, you know, it's emotional and psychological manipulation is where it's at. And it's going on all around the world right now as we talk on at the end of January, 2021, um, because most of the world is still, either in lockdown or in some kind of restrictions related to, um, I'll just say the word pandemic because I don't want to use other words because natural algorithms of podcasts have been getting banned for using certain words. Um, And the thing is, like in a lumpy, the media, look at them, are reporting negative scare stories every day. And there is evidence out there that if people are fed a diet of negative thinking, scare stories, and fear, that it will put them in a state of anxiety, low-level anxiety, or panic, or the fight, flight, and freeze response, but the freeze bit, whereas fight is kill the dinosaur and live another day and have something for tea. flight is run like the clappers to get away. Freeze is that moment where you go, uh, what shall I do? Shall I try and fight the dinosaur? Shall I run away? I don't know. What shall I do? What shall I do? It's that sensory overload where you freeze. That sensory overload, like with the bully, when he's thinking, what's this idiot doing, telling me to try and hit him and get on with it? That doesn't make sense to my view of the world. That shouldn't be happening. He's supposed to be scared of me. That's what's be- It's that sensory overload, that pattern interrupters, Uh, NLP calls it that can put people in a state that when you're stressed doubt or in fear your immune system does not work as well as it does when you feel positive happy relaxed and calm that is a proven physical physiological fact Pretty much any medical GP on the planet or medical expert who's being honest will admit to anyone that if you are relaxed, you've got good sleep patterns uh, and you have good physical and psychological relaxation and generally speaking in life, uh, positive thinking and taking positive actions, that your immune system will be better uh and your natural your health generally will be better than somebody who is extremely stressed overworking themselves getting disrupted sleep uh, always feeling anxious and stuff whose immune system will be lowered so why the frigging hell haven't the media for the past 12 months rather than focusing on all the negatives yes report the news say x number of people have died say that um we need to take certain precautions to keep everyone safe. Of course, do that. But why don't we have front page stories that are the biggest bit focused on the positive, like the increase in the number of people surviving, Uh, the large percentage of people that, um, if they do get said uh, illness, um, only have very mild symptoms. The positive things you can do To keep yourself and others safe reframe it as positive things you can do to help yourself and others rather than put it across as if you don't do these things everyone's going to die it's the same message but without instilling fear into people um which then arguably would help them build up their immune system which ironically in the past few weeks the kind of past four to six weeks the World Health Organization and other credible sources, I'm saying saying credible, some people may agree that they're just following an agenda, but I'm just saying not a conspiracy theory source. I've saw normal sources have come out and said, oh, look, you know what? If you take certain vitamins and supplements and do certain natural things, you will help bolster your immune system And they're less likely to contract this particular corona illness. I won't say the full word, otherwise algorithms can uh, flag. And yet you look back, they've always known this because, you know, In flu seasons, years and years gone by, they always say to people, take your vitamins, take your minerals, eat this right type of stuff, and it'll bolster your immune system. So why now are they focused on the negative? Well, one, I would argue, as does my documentary, Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis, It's Time for the Sleepwalking Zombies to Wake Up, which you can watch free of charge on my website, magicalguru.com. I would argue that this pandemic is very real. People are dying, yeah. I'm not one of these people who's gonna tell you it doesn't exist. No, it does exist. It's happening, people are dying, it's tragic. But it's not as bad as the making out. And they're amplifying it up for their own benefit. I'm not saying it was planned out, I'm saying if this has happened and they thought, oh, we've had a thing that's documented fact out there for years, um planned called agenda 21 that was updated and called agenda 2030 all you have to do is go and look at websites like the world economic forum this is an intergovernmental website where governments around the world are participating in this not a conspiracy theory you just search world economic forum and you'll find it and you'll see that they've encompassed what was agenda 21 and agenda 2030 um, in their terms, um, the kind of plans to create sustainable, long-term goals for the world and society so that the environment protected, so that we can um, reduce the population size to help the planet. Some might rephrase it as being so that we can find a way to depopulate the planet by hundreds of millions of people because that's what they're actually after doing. And that's where things like um, the video where Bill Gates openly says, if we do a really good job with vaccines, we can likely uh, depopulate the planet by a a big percentage. That video genuinely is out there. He said it. What his intent was through those words is debatable, but he definitely basically says if we do a good job With vaccines, we could depopulate the world by tons of people. Go look for yourself at the Great Global Reset. It's always been planned out. They're aiming to have all this in place by 2030. But what's come along that plays right into their hands—an opportunity where the world, in general, and others people that don't fall into this category, but generally speaking, a large proportion of people—and you only need a reasonably large proportion of a group uh, for it to then become group mentality. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the people say then. However much evidence those other people have, if there's ever such slight majority of them, are in the camp of, We don't believe that then cognitive dissonance kicks in it's called in psychology whereby they don't want to accept the evidence the other people show them because if they did they have to accept that what they previously believed and valued and thought to be real was a deception and untrue and that would make people feel a bit silly or bad inside so that is why they'll often then seek confirmation bias and only look at stuff that confirms what they believe to be true to be true And the powers that be, the elites, know this, and they use psychological and emotional manipulation through the media scare stories to create those subdivisions. And actually, you know, they're not bothered if people are disagreeing with each other because they know the minority will not win against the majority. And they know that by causing arguments and disagreements, it causes division in society. And it means that people are so caught, so caught up arguing the toss on social media with each other that they're not looking at the bigger agenda of what's really going on. And what's really going on, we're getting closer and closer to a cashless society um, where I'm not going to say we're going to be microchip because we we're already tracked by our mobile phones. You know, Even if you turn off the tracking, you can still be tracked. It's already happening. If you voluntarily use a phone device, you're being tracked. Simple. And this ultimately can end up being the device you have to pay with rather than cash. All the things are already in place, not like some major bloody big has got to happen. All the things are already there with most people already reforms. All they've got to do is usher out cash and we're heading, if everyone remains asleep and doesn't start taking more responsibility for themselves, um, we're heading to become like China and end up with a, you know, England, America, the rest of the world ended up like China with a, a kind of universal basic income, or if they call it in China, a social credit system where the people are mass surveyed all the time. Well, that's already in place. And if they act incorrectly, Or don't do what they're told, if they're not home under curfew at the times they're told, if they say the wrong thing on social media about a politician, they lose points on their social credit account. And if they've not got enough points, it means they can't leave the town or village they live in. They can't go on holiday. They can't perhaps even work or they don't have enough credits there to go and then buy food. Just go and exact, this isn't a conspiracy. Go and look and research China's social credit system. It's reality for them already in large amounts of China. That's what we're heading towards if people keep falling for the emotional and psychological manipulation that they're getting uh, largely through uh, the propaganda and uh, nonsense fed to them? In all the dramatic ways through the media. But
0: so, so you, I mean, there's a lot to unpack. That's but I. So, but what? What? So, what do you think is going to happen? At, so, what, when do you think this whole sort of pandemic is going to finish as a whole?
1: Well, I'd like to think it'd be a lot sooner, but if you go and look on the World Bank's website, that's the bank that lends money to governments around the world. Yeah, not conspiracy theory. The World Bank, search the World Bank uh, COVID project, it's called. On the World Bank's website is a section about the COVID, what they label the COVID project. And they, right last year, it's been there since, Right before all this got major massive around the world, they have allotted funds to lend governments around the world until uh, around springtime 2025. So I don't know what they know that the general public have not been told yet, but they've allocated funds on the World Bank for... uh, governments around the world for the COVID project until early 2025, which to me tends to indicate this doesn't end properly until early 2025, or we don't get back to a sense of normality, because otherwise why would the governments need um, access to funding until that kind of time frame?
0: Okay. And (laughs) that's very deep and it's very, um, so what are, what are some examples that you've seen recently in terms of like, in terms of the British media, in terms of manipulating?
1: No, well, I mean, the, 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 one of the biggest manipulation techniques, there's a couple. One is fear. And in the media industry, there's an old saying, if it bleeds, it leads, which means if there's blood, violence, or something scary, traumatic, or graphically about the story, then it'll be the lead story, or make the front page. Because it's more likely to capture people's attention, and get people talking, and uh, get them to buy the paper, for example. Um, So fear is a massive one. And fear law, generally, when you're looking at stuff in the media, is, as per the cheesy acronym, it stands for false evidence appearing real or false evidence against reality. They take a seed of genuine truth and then they will manipulate it out of all proportion and come out with phrases like an insider source said. And then there's this quote, apparently from an insider source expert that says this is incredibly dangerous and if you don't do this you're going to die you must do this you must have this vaccine or you must do that the other and you've got the credibility of that insider source but well, they never mentioned the name mm-hmm. quite often of the insider source and in recent times if you look on twitter they've even got that audacious that they will mention the names of celebrities or mps as allegedly having said something and then, later that day, the celebrity or MP in question seen themselves quoted in the mainstream media as saying, apparently having said X, Y, Z, and they'll go on their social media accounts and go, hang on a minute, I never said that. That's how blatant the media are getting now at lying to try and manipulate people. Recently, a British television presenter called Jeremy Clarkson, presents a game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And used to present a show called Top Gear. i just mention those things for anyone who's not in England so you can find out who he is uh, easily. He caught this COVID-19 and the media reported that he was, um, you know, he was bedbound fighting uh, the disease And implying that he was fighting for his life and struggling and, you know, they ramped it up and all that. Later that day, Jeremy Clarkson found where the newspapers uh, uh, shared this from their social media accounts, shared what the newspapers had bought, but with a comment going, no, I stayed in bed a bit, relaxing, watching telly and reading some books. I wasn't struggling or fighting or fear in fear of man, you know? And he basically pointed out they were talking cobblers and had put words into his mouth and printed things that he never said. And I can tell you from first-hand experience that the largest percentage of things printed in so-called mainstream media are either completely fake, completely fabricated, or... Just contain an element of truth and the rest of it tends to be distorted, manufactured or blown out of proportion to help create viewing figures or create shares of that um, story if it's on a digital platform or to create sales. The truth is not something that is the biggest um, motivation for the mainstream media. It really isn't. In fact, the evidence is out there through certainly over the past, this has gone on forever and a day, but the, tr- the evidence is out there over the past few decades that, you know, more and more newspapers around the world and television and radio stations, because all media, the world media is owned by about five or six people. That is it. Do your own research. About five or six people own all. The hundreds of thousands of newspapers, magazines, um, radio stations, television stations, television production companies are owned by a handful of people. And one of them is a guy called Rupert Murdoch, one of the most influential media moguls in the world. And his organization alone has paid out well over a billion pounds, I believe, uh, in recent years to people whose telephone, mobile phones were hacked. Including the murdered schoolgirl Millie Dowler, which led to uh, the British biggest red newspaper in British history getting closed down, the News of the World, because it was exposed that they'd hacked the phone of a murdered schoolgirl. I mean, how low can you get? The police thought yeah. she was still alive when she wasn't because they'd been deleting messages off her phone. And this they thought had stopped when the News of the World was closed down and Mur- Rupert Murdoch you know, gave out this half-hearted apology and, and stuff. But in recent years, more and more celebrities are getting paid out and it's coming to light, including the Prince Harry, Prince Harry and Meghan, Michael, are currently involved in litigation against the... It's either Mail, the Daily Mail, or Mirror Group newspapers. It's one of those two. I'm not 100% sure which off the top of my head. Check it out for yourself. Um but they are taking legal action for hacking and other uh, illegal privacy invasion techniques being used. The media are not to be trusted on any level in my experience. Uh, I've got an entire website called circusofthemind.net about it. I tried to expose all this back in 1998. Some people around the world may have heard of um, the fake shake. He was one of Rupert Murdoch's employees who. Who exposed celebrities who apparently were also secretly drug dealing on the side and stuff. And I set out to expose the truth because I discovered that he was a, a liar and a manipulator of fake, fabricated stories and fake evidence, and that people had been wrongfully imprisoned, frankly, and, and ruining and their careers ruined through fabricated lies and um, illegal techniques. Unfortunately, my attempts to do that in 1998 got fired a bit and as explained on mind.net, I ended up with the short prison sentence. But the irony of it is uh, 20, 98, 2008, 2018, 23 years on now. Um, the 15th of February, 2021 is the deadline for my renewed grounds of appeal. be submitted to the Royal Courts of Justice in London and at some point this year my conviction that I got as a result of my attempt to expose Mazah Mahmood in 1998 will be heard at the Courts of Appeal and should, based on the evidence we now have, the fact that Mazah Mahmood, what I tried to expose, has finally come to public light and he has actually himself been jailed for Uh, conspiracy to pervert the course of justice and it's been proven that he fabricated evidence and lied and made up stories and all this all the stuff that came out in my case back in 1998 what was swept under the carpet has now become accepted fact so my conviction should actually get overturned later this year or early next year further proving what I categorically state and have always stated that Basically, the best thing you can do is never buy another newspaper again, never buy another magazine unless you're buying them purposely to read the entertaining stories. Don't believe most news journalism is there to scare you, not to inform you. It's there because by scaring you and putting you in that state of division where you will argue with other people. um, That's what the whole field of politics is about. It doesn't matter who you vote for. At the end of the day, whoever gets in will do what the people with more power than them tell them they have to do. Otherwise, shortly afterwards, they'll get exposed for having sex with, um, you know, someone underage that they didn't know was underage at the time. But, you know, in truth, they probably got their drinks were probably spiked and they were in a compromising position and people took photographs and it was used as what the Germans call kompromat to blackmail them into doing what the powers that be want them to do, so that they may have had the best of intentions when they got into politics, but once they get into the positions of power, you either find that very quickly these people end up resigning, getting exposed as having done something that comes out of the closet, Well, they'll tend to be the people who wanted to try and do something good, but wouldn't toe the line of what the elites wanted, so they get compromised and exposed or the ones that end up in the positions of power probably have got a ruck of blackmail material against them uh, hidden somewhere and that's why they're doing the bidding of their masters the people who control the money of the world the real people in power Um, so you know politics it doesn't matter who you vote for whoever gets in they're going to do whatever they wanted to in the first place anyway It's an illusion of choice. If it made any difference, they wouldn't let us vote on it in the first place.
0: Ah. But it's a a bit like what happened in America, isn't it, with um, Obama, like, with some of the things, like, you know, the movement that's going on now. Like, he didn't really It's all purposeful.
1: It's all purposeful. The movement going on now, MAGA, make America great again, the whole Trump thing and these apparent links to QAnon, uh, you know, trust the plan and stuff. It's bullshit. QAnon is a CIA psychological operation, or as they call it, influence operations, they call it these days. it's a psych- uh, There is an, an element of the military in America and England that uh, is the 66th Brigade in England um, that deal with psychological warfare, information warfare, which is arguably manipulating people's emotions and psychological thought patterns through hypnotic suggestion arguably in print form or through tv shows or through other information outlets to cause division to cause confusion and disorientation to put them in that free state where they will be so distracted from what's really going on that by the time they realize it's too late and they're living in that china style social credit system because they didn't um peacefully put up a fight against it in advance and you know q was to fill the gap uh, of those people who do have a desire to get off their arse and do something. That is why the message largely was, trust the plan. Don't do anything yet. All will become clear. And every time something hadn't happened on a certain date, they'd release QAnon releases another bit going, no, you didn't have this piece of the jigsaw, did you? Actually, you just misinterpreted it. It really it meant this is going to happen on this date instead. And you know what? By the time those dates come, the people that in power that wanted to do certain things have been able to do what they wanted without any real attention on them and without any real uh, peaceful rebellion or any rebellion of any kind because those people who may have been able to do something have been too involved trusting the plan. It's a psychological operation. It's a nonsense distraction.
0: Okay, so... Now, look, we've gone in a very political and it's been very truth I, I'm, I can see it's quite big detail on it. Um, it's hypnosis,
1: it's the same thing, they, 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 you know I'm a hypnotist, they're using the same techniques I do to get people to overcome the fears, phobias, habits and addictions but they're using it with nefarious intent they're using it to manipulate and control the world, society and population
0: Now one thing that I want to sort of direct this towards is You said before we started the podcast that in regards to people saying that they they can't control anyone or make anyone do what they want on stage, you said that's a load of bullshit. Uh,
1: A stage hypnotist who hasn't been taught very well, who doesn't know what they're doing, then sadly that is the vast majority of the industry, then yeah, they're going to tell you they can't make people do things against the will, Uh, but it's nonsense. You can do. I'm not saying you should, Because there comes a point where that would be illegal and breaking the law. And also, frankly, there's no need to. And also, it wouldn't necessarily be entertaining anyway. But can it be done? Yeah. Can you make people say I do things that contradict their moral codes and their values? Yes. Can you create a mind controlled um, assassin? to kill people without them knowing that they've done it, so that they end up uh, becoming amnesic and forgetting that they've shot somebody? Yeah, you can. I'll give you one example, a guy called Saran Saran, who um, allegedly is the person who shot JFK. In truth, when you study deeper, he was just someone who shot towards JFK and it wasn't the bullet from him that killed him. Um, But he swears, even to this day, the reason why he's never been given parole when parole hearings have come up, is because they say that he's never shown any remorse. Well, why should he show remorse? He genuinely, sincerely, in every nerve, fibre, tissue and muscle in his body, believes that he knows nothing and can remember nothing about what. He's been shown videos of him being in the place that they're telling him he was in. And he says, yes, that looks like me, but I have no recollection of being there. Because amnesia has been created in his mind. In um, and that may sound science fiction, but you know what? There are declassified documents out there that confirm the truth and reality of this. If you go searching for the declassified CIA documents for a project called MK Ultra, uh, which stood for Mind Control Ultra, but it was control spelled K O N T R O double because. A lot of the people involved in it were smuggled in at the end of the war from Nazi Germany. A lot of the people who did the most atrocious of experiments were smuggled in from Germany into America and given new lives by the CIA and started experimenting with uh, atrocious experiments of pain. Uh, pain manipulation and emotional trauma combined with so-called hypnosis and suggestion and manipulation techniques in what was called initially MKUltra but loads of other offshoots as well Um, right through to a project called um, Mockingbird which was the CIA's plan to infiltrate the media with people who would be lifetime actors and get jobs as television presenters or journalists so that they could plant their propaganda stories in newspapers and on TV more easily. Now, what is available in the mainstream says that Mockingbird was closed down um, quite a number of years ago. The truth is, no CIA operation is ever closed down. When they tell you it's closed down, it's probably been stepped up a level. Because by telling you it's closed down means that you're not going to look for it. You're not going to think about the possibility of it. I would say there's far more lifetime actors in the media world and the world of celebrities now than there ever has been helping push forward the uh, messages of propaganda, bullshit and emotional fear that the the powers that be want to keep people in that free state, to keep them in that confused and disorientated state where the sensory overload and they don't know what to do. They're like looking for some authority figure to fill the gap and guide them in the right way. And that's when people become particularly vulnerable to joining cults or religions or getting into self-help, buying book after book or course after course to try and find an answer, to try and calm that sensory overload, to try and break out of that freeze point. Unfortunately religions are run by the powers that be behind the scenes as i expose and explain in my documentary so actually it's just going to make you dependent on a whole bunch of lies and stuff that's there to manipulate and control you through fear anyway the fear of committing sin and going to hell for example um and the self-help industry some of not all of but some of the gurus that make it really massive and big I genuinely do believe have metaphorically sold their soul to the devil. I don't mean they've signed a contract with a real Beelzebub, but I mean metaphorically, in order to continue living the celebrity lifestyle where they're the top of the tree and uh, the publishing house that can guarantee them millions of copies per set book that they release sales, well, that publishing company is owned by someone who owns certain newspapers that can promote it. For example, Rupert Murdoch owns certain publishing companies that publish books and certain media outlets. And if his publishing company decide to take you on, don't be surprised that all their newspapers, magazines, TV and radio will promote this because ultimately it all leads to profits for the Murdoch organization, okay? When you think about it, it makes total sense. It's not conspiracy, it's, it's, it's business. You're going to cross-promote your products if it makes you ultimately more money. But that also means that these five or six people in the world who control all the media, all the publishing houses, all the film companies, all the television stations and whatnot, have the power to be able to say, if you don't do what I want, you'll never work again. And... The people that do try and cross them and tell the truth or, you know, the people that come out and go, this narrative they're giving about climate change isn't actually fully true. The truth is somewhat different. Um, Well, a British guy called David Bellamy tried doing that, and he used to be regularly on television. And when he started speaking out about uh, climate change, not being exactly what the government's want you to think it is, guess what? Doom. stopped hearing about him on television and in the media because they literally can they don't physically kill you they don't have to physically kill you but when you hear you know they they can kill you metaphorically they can kill your career they have the power if you're involved with the media if you're reliant on publishing companies um tv companies radio companies media those kind of things that are owned by just five or six people that quite often although they appear to be in competition with each other those five or six people because the powers that be behind them that help fund them or have shares in them or can open doors for them know all those five or six that they tend to be on the same page and i know people listening to that will go well If they were all on the same page, why is it that some of the media will support one political party, but some other media will support a different political party? Clearly, they're on different sides. Or why is it that some of the media will say that um, certain things about this pandemic are untrue, but the other parts of the media are saying that those things are true? But if you dig deep, you find that actually the ones that are in conflict, apparent conflict with each other, are quite often owned by the same people. Because they don't care about the truth. You know, Rupert Murdoch has a British paper called The Sun Newspaper. But he has The Scottish Sun as well, which is only printed in Scotland. I'm giving you a British example here, but he does the same in America. And you can wake up around election time in England and the Sun newspaper in England has got a positive story about one of the candidates who's up for election. But the Sun Scotland has got a negative story about that candidate because they've got a different agenda going on in that area. It's not about truth or reality. It's about the outcomes they want. It's how they want to manipulate the bigger picture and politics, religion, and a whole bunch of other areas of everyday life are where these people psychologically and emotionally manipulate and arguably hypnotize, condition people to think and react the way they want them to.
0: Okay. Now, one of the things I want to look at is like, so tell us a bit more about your, so after you sort of started becoming a professional hypnotist, like what, Where did you get to the stage you are now? Like, tell us about that.
1: Mainly just through doing it, literally. Um, I just, literally from the age of 14, have constantly been seeing, not constantly, because obviously we're talking right now, but I mean, day in, week out, month out, year out. um, Avert my living through helping people with hypnotherapy, overcome addictions, fears, phobias and whatnot. Entertainment wise, through doing the getting people to do silly things on stage or on television, teaching other people how to do this, and then consulting for companies and organizations on how to sell more of their products, how to influence people through emotions in advertising, um, so that they can sell more of their products, so they can make people believe in them. Um, I may have been involved in helping certain political candidates who chose to pay me a fee uh, understand the use of body language and voice tones. You re- I'll give you an example. When you see politicians talking then it, they, a lot, they will talk with their hands. And as they say things, I'll put the hands out, open fingers, so the hands and palms are open towards you. This is a nonverbal body language. It's kind of saying, look, there's nothing in my hands Um, I'm not hiding anything. I'm being open and honest. That's the kind of psychological effect it has. And they will tend to, the more they're doing this, the more likely it is they're lying or being um, economic with the truth, telling you a small grain of truth, but steering it so that you believe it in the context they want you to believe it in, which could be actually completely as removed from the actual reality of things as could humanly be possible um so just basically every area but in recent years uh, it, it came to a head sort of in 2015 i really started to notice that they were ramping it up the disinformation in the media the lies and what what was the end game, and the more I looked into it, the end game is this Agenda 2030, the Great Global Reset. Hence, I started putting together the documentary that got released in 2019, writing the book Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis, to go with it, to expose bullshit on all levels. And that's the bullshit, lies, dishonesty, and nefarious negative use of these techniques that goes on in politics, religion, Uh, And all areas of everyday life to control people by the powers that be, but also the negative use of these techniques to influence and control people into buying things that are complete and utter crap. And also the bullshit that goes on that the vast majority of people in the self-help personal development industry are full of shit and are ripping people off. And that's why people buy book after book, course after course. If they were taught the truth up from properly, people would not need to buy book after book or go on course after course to feel as though they were achieving to something, to feel loved. Because every human being wants to feel loved, wanted, needed, appreciated, cared for, cherished and valued. And if there's any inadequacy or any element missing on any level with any of them, it will have a knock-on effect on their self-image, their self-confidence, their self-esteem, and their self-control, which self-control is willpower. And if there's any knock-on effect on any of them, it will have a negative effect on their self-love, self-worth, self-respect, and selfishness. Now, selfishness, I mean in a positive sense. I mean that in the sense like if you're on a plane and there's a problem like the Aeros test season will tell you if you've got three kids with you, don't spend time putting your uh, kids oxygen masks on first. Put yours on first so that you don't pass out. So that then you're not going to pass out trying to put the masks on your three children. Sometimes there's situations where you've got to be selfish to be selfless. If there's an, if there's a negative element on any of them, then people feel like they've got a gap. Something's missing and they try to fill it. And people okay. will fill that either by overeating or trying to drown out that gap through drinking or escape that state of mind through drugs or try and get the high where they feel loved through recreational, uh, okay. you know, sex addiction or through joining a cult so they feel part of a, a family, a circle.
0: Okay. And people
1: create these situations on purpose to make people feel bad so that they will get addicted to buying more books or courses or going to these expensive seminars or joining that religion and putting money in the um a tithe or a contribution you know okay. it's 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 not good so
0: but one thing I'm going to look at is like how did you um develop the career you have now And what the state went through and what were the struggles that got you that got you where you are now
1: There's only really been one struggle, and it's the only struggle that anyone really has in life, and that is um, carrying on when something knocks you down. That's the biggest thing that holds people back. It's the, oh, I tried something, it didn't work out. It's pointless trying something. I'm clearly not got out for that mentality or imposter mentality of you might have studied something and you might be pretty damn good at it, But you look around and you think, that other person, because they're already successful, they must be better than me. What's the point in trying to strive to uh, be successful in that industry? Because there's so many other people there that if you spend all your time competing mentally against all those people, uh, the only person you should be competing against is yourself. And the only way to compete against yourself, the only negative way is to not continue to grow. So keep doing something, keep, there's no such thing as failure. There are only results, positive or negative, and the negative results are still a result with a positive outcome if you take action on them and learn that that way didn't work. So just do it differently, because if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. The only way you're going to get a different outcome is by doing something different. Which is why, when you look at people that are held up as being mega successful and creative uh, in history, people like Edison who invented the light bulb. Well, we won't get into the argument that apparently somebody did before yes, him. Yes, yes. But
0: don't. we're
1: just generally speaking, people say Edison invented the light bulb, and the metaphor is uh, they say, um, but you, you know, why didn't you give up? Because there were th- one thousand. 800 however many attempts don't bother writing in with the correct number but there there was like thousands of attempts that you failed it didn't work and Edison's apparently said well I didn't fail I successfully found out that wasn't the way to do it so I knew I had to do something different and eventually he found the way of doing it different that is what became his success
0: yes so but it's a bit like a lot of people that are really successful. They don't follow the crowd, but they stru- basically what it is is they find a way of bringing their unique product to the world that works for them. That's what it is.
1: Getting you've got to give time for your audience to find you, so to speak. Um, uh, an example. Um, And he 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 said something similar to this to me in 1993. In 1993, I was also doing a bit from the performance side because I wanted the audience applause. I did a bit of dabbling into uh, the alternative comedy scene. And I was supporting um, the British comedian Lee Evans at a place called The Buzz Club in Manchester. And... um, I, frankly, I died on my ass. What comedians call dying on their ass. Basically, I did what I was doing, and people didn't really laugh when they should have done, and the odd person booed and negative reaction. We took. We call it dying on your ass. And afterwards, I was in the dressing room, and Lee Evans. He wasn't famous at that point. And if you're not in England, look on YouTube. But you may have heard of Lee Evans being in films like Mouse. Uh, Mouse Trap I think it was called and there's something about Mary and he's, he's done comedy films as well uh, Funny Bones and a few others and he said look I'm only just starting at this point he was top of the bill but in a comedy club he wasn't big on telly or anything and he wasn't filling theatres but he got to the point where he was the headline act in the reasonable sized comedy clubs and he said, there were times when I died on my ass. I said, what did you do? What How did you alter the act? And he said, not massively at all. It's just that, you know, people hadn't seen this majorly um, physically expressive uh, visual type comedy in so many years since kind of musical days in England that they had nothing to compare it to. It took them a long time to get used to it. And. He said, eventually, the audience found me, and it sort of took off from there. And sometimes it can be about waiting. It's easier these days. You can find out who your audience is a damn sight quicker, because obviously you've got the digital channels of social media. And if if you're doing something that resonates with a cross-section of people, somebody is likely to hear about it and share it with other people in that cross section, and you're gonna get heard about relatively quickly. I'm not saying you're gonna become a superstar immediately, but you're gonna start to plant the seeds quicker than back in my day when, I'm sounding old now, when there was no internet. Um, We had to do it the old fashioned way. So, yeah, it's, but if you believe in what you're doing, you know, obviously, if what you're doing is just a means to make money and it's not working, then perhaps it might be wise to try something else. But if what you do is a passion, is truly a passion, truly a vocation in life, something you think of more as a way of life, something that's a part of you as a human being rather than a job, rather than just a way to pay the bills, if it's something that you'd you know, if, 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 if you won the lottery and you had all the money in the world, so you never needed to worry about paying the bills or where the next penny was coming from, if it's something you'd still choose to do because it brings you joy and happiness and a sense of identity of who you are, then for that kind of thing, then crack on. If you keep at it with passion, sooner or later... You'll find other like-minded people. It might be that the particular thing you do only as a small interest group, a tiny small interest group. And in the entire world, there might only be, say, 100,000 people are into that. But if it's not about the money and it's about the passion, 100,000 people should be enough potential audience for you to get your pat on the back and sense of achievement anyway. But if it was about money or an element of 100,000 people might not seem like a big target audience. But if each of them was to be giving you one pound or $1 or one euro a week. That's 100,000 pounds or 100,000 euros or $100,000 a week. That's millions of pounds, dollars or euros a year. You don't actually need to become some major A-list celebrity always on television or always releasing videos that go viral and watched by millions of people to be able to live an income and lifestyle of what people perceive an A-list celebrity to live, if that's your desire in life comes down to what are your true values and what are your real triggers what is it you really want
0: now one thing i want to look at so there's two sort of things i want to look at so one of the things i want to look at is how does someone go on and sort of find the sort of right path because you know as you said a lot of self-help they they come people with this and that but how can someone sort of apply hypnosis or that sort of technique to find out what's right for them and what's working for them and what they should go out and do with their life
1: there's there's two answers to that let me give you the flippant one first and this is tongue-in-cheek listeners and viewers okay the obvious one is to go to magicalguru.com m-a-g-i-c-a-l-g-u-r-u.com and if it's a habit addiction fear or phobia anxiety or if it's anything that um, could be classed as an issue that a hypnotherapist would deal with. Just click on the page on my website that says hypnotherapy. Scroll down and there's various videos on that page. And one of them, about the third or fourth video down, is called the free virtual online treatment session. And the key thing is about this, it's free. And if you do what that video says in the way the video tells you to do it and you imagine what that video tells you to imagine in the manner it tells you to imagine it. Then you will overcome your habit, addiction, fear, phobia or whatever, simple as, and it will not cost you a single penny. Okay. And... If you want to, you know, generally in life, other things, goal setting, achieving what you want to achieve in life, then go to the same website, click on where it says Hypnosis Bookstore, and there are, uh, it will show you the top 10 hypnosis books in the world. Now, one of them is called the Encyclopedia of Self-Help, Personal Development, um, and it's got a mega long title but it's called the Encyclopedia of Self-Help Personal Development and every other connotation of that okay. it will cost you say hello I'm hello talking. people hello <laughs> it will cost you um... I've forgotten how much it is but let's just say let... this is a thick it's as thick as an encyclopedia it's A4 size it's a about 500 pages, it's only about £20 sterling. That one book, you will never need any other self-help book ever again. It's got goal setting in there. It's got how to achieve your dreams. It's got how to deal with panic attacks, anxiety. It's got how to deal with the imposter syndrome where you don't feel good enough and compare yourself to other people. It's got how to deal with anxiety, stress, depression. It's got everything. There's no other books, there's no upsell. And this is one of the reasons incidentally, I'm nicknamed the British bad boy of hypnosis. Um, Not so much because ironically, I've done anything particularly bad. I did do some controversial stuff years ago to prove that controversial stuff could be done with hypnosis. Well, the hypnotists said it couldn't be. Um, But in recent years, it's more because the vast majority of hypnotherapists, hypnotherapy trainers, stage hypnotist, stage hypnosis trainers, personal development consultant and those who run courses in those areas and self-help unless they're people that I've taught who or who come to me for ongoing coaching and mentoring uh, which I do with a lot of uh, the celebrity names helping them with their businesses then the rest of them hate me with a vengeance you know why because if people listen to what I'm saying and put it into action in life they will never need to waste. Um, hundreds and thousands of pounds on those people's books, CD programs, downloads, live events, because they'll already have all the keys they need. They want self-help, get my encyclopedia of self-help personal development. It's about 20 quid. You'll never need to buy another book. What you'll need to do, though, is take action. Reading it won't be enough. You've got to put into action what's taught in the book. If you want to overcome your habit, addiction, fear or phobia, go to my website. Go to the therapy page, watch the free virtual online treatment session. Do what it says the way it says. Imagine what it says the way it tells you to imagine it, and it will cost you nothing. And you will, like thousands of other people have around the world, overcome your habit, addiction, fear, or phobia. Simple as, and you'll never need to pay a penny to a hypnotherapist. Um, It's that simple. If you want to learn how to help other people with hypnosis, take my Elite Hypnosis Bootcamp. It will cost you money, yes, but I guarantee you that in my boot camp, which if you contact me if you go on my website and click on the link, it says it's five thousand dollars. If you contact me and mention this podcast, I will send you a link that will knock ninety percent off. Which that means that for less than five hundred United States dollars, you could earn up to eighteen world-class accredited uh, qualifications and diplomas taught by 16 different world-class experts because it's not just me there's 15 other teachers in there um and i guarantee it comes with a full one-year 100 percent satisfaction money-back guaranteed the terms and conditions are on the website well it guarantees that if you put into action what's in the boot camp you will earn at least twelve thousand dollars united states dollars or twelve thousand pounds sterling or twelve thousand euros more bottom line profits In your business, whatever that may be, as long as you've utilized the techniques taught in the bootcamp than you did in the previous 12 months before joining the bootcamp, or you get 100% of your money back. Um, None of the other trainers have got the balls to give that kind of guarantee. The fact is, it's simple as this, it's honest and upfront. It will tell you and teach you anything anyone else on this planet can teach you at a fraction of the price they would ever charge you. Because most hypnotherapy uh, qualifications will run anywhere in England from around uh, £600 on the lowest end up to about £3,500 at the top end. Whereas I'm saying that for $497, if you contact me for the discount link, you're going to learn everything that all of those courses could ever teach you from everyone else and a ton of stuff they'd never teach you and you'll never have to spend another penny again and that you will earn the kind of money I've just said more in the next 12 months as long as you take action or you get your money back. No, one's, no one else has got the balls to do that and that is why other hypnosis trainers don't particularly like me because I call out the fact that their courses are crap. And any course that tells you you cannot make people do things against their moral code or value, any course or trainer who tells you you cannot create a mind controlled assassin, anyone who tells you it's impossible to create amnesia in somebody's mind and to splinter their mind into multiple personalities so that they will do things in everyday life and not know do them and then the next minute not know they've done them doesn't know what they're talking about and you should avoid with a massive barge pole because if they don't believe those things are possible and don't know how to do them what right have they got to be teaching you how to use techniques to improve your life or help other people because believe me when you understand how to get people to do the negative and illegal stuff getting people to stop smoking or lose weight is a walk in the bloody park a million times easier and you get far more long-term, consistent, successful results when you know the techniques that would enable you to do what most of these people say is not possible.
0: Thanks. Okay. Without going into too much detail, but how generally does the process of you going to hypnotise someone work? So I don't know if me and you are talking to Park and I'm in the pub or something and I'm saying, right, I'm going to hypnotise you. How would it
1: work? Well, I personally would never turn around and say I was going to hypnotise you in a pub. Uh, why would I? Um, unless you've turned around and said you're going to pay me a certain amount of money to help you overcome your habit addiction, fear or phobia. If you'd mentioned an addiction, fear or phobia, I would have turned around and said, go to my website, go on the therapy page and use the free video. I'm out to have a drink. I'm not going to interrupt my drinking and socialising. Um, wait till you're in the privacy of your own home and use the free therapy thing." But if you offered me money, my fee, there and then, then what would I do? I would, the step, stage one is to tell you effectively to close your eyes. And once your eyes are closed, it becomes easier to imagine things. It also becomes easier to ignore other stimulus or stimuli in the environment. So that then when the hypnotist gives you suggestions to imagine, um, it is easier to conjure up those images in your mind's eye or to think about them because not everyone conjures up mental images in glorious technical. Sometimes they're just thinking about it, but it's easier to focus in on that and that then everything else gets kind of fades out. It's like when you're watching a really good film and you're focused on the screen and you may be sat at home watching it on the TV and your, your mum, your dad, your wife and your husband walks in, you know, your brother and sister and says, um, hey, Marvin, do you, do, you, do you want a drink? And you kind of hear them, but you're in the film and it takes you a few seconds to suddenly come back away from the film, to be in the room consciously and say, sorry, what, what was that? Because like you get lost, absorbed into the film. That moment where you're lost absorbed into the film or into a really good book where same thing happens. What was that? Sorry, did did you say something? takes you a while to register that someone's telling you it's dinner time or whatever. That is arguably a trance state. You have been hypnotised by reading those words or watching that film. With a hypnotist, uh, their words conjure up the mental images that become the film in your mind. Is effectively what... The most basic um, explanation of that would be. Let's let's try something. This is the bit that you might want to take a video clip of and put on YouTube. So if you're listening to this, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier for you to participate in this. If you go to Marvin's YouTube channel, I'm sure he'll put the link below. The podcast so that you can find this video and uh, i would suggest to him that as well as mentioning his podcast name in the video title he bought something like um hypnosis experiment that way you'll be able to find it and you'll know which video it is so go and find that video and then we'll see you on the youtube channel okay those of you who joined us on the youtube channel uh excellent what i'd like you to do wherever you are sit down so that you can safely be calm safe secure on a chair so you're sat in such a manner you're not kind of like if you were to suddenly fall asleep which you're not going to do but if you were to hypothetically you wouldn't if you flopped to the side you wouldn't fall on the floor and hurt yourself there'd be a safe arm of the chair get yourself in a position where you're going to be safe for the next few minutes okay and when you've done that that's excellent I'd like you to uh, place your hands, both of them, out in front of you like so. So I'm trying to do this to my camera, but basically out in front of you. Place your arms out in front of you like so. I just realised I'm cabled into the uh, computer, so I can't go any further back than my earphones. But arms out in front of you like so and then interlock your fingers so the fingers of the left hand are against the back of the right hand the fingers of the right hand against the back of the left hand press your palms tightly together thumbs down on top like that and squeeze your hands together just as tightly as you can and then take your top two fingers like that your four fingers and separate them about an inch but look directly into my eyes on the video because I'm going to count backwards from three down to one. On the count of one, if you concentrate, as I'm sure you will, you'll find by the count of one that your fingertips will be sticking together. They'll pull together because on three, use usual powers of intelligence, imagination and concentration effectively. It's almost as it is as I click my fingers that the world's strongest magnets are starting to attract the tips of your fingers together, getting closer and closer with every breath you take, every noise you hear, every word I say and every thought you think is on the count of two. You can imagine now it's almost as if someone's come along with a piece of rope and they've tied that piece of rope around your fingers and they're pulling that rope tight like a knot around your fingers. So it pushes your fingers together more rapidly, more closely so that your fingertips get closer and closer as you allow that to happen, proving to yourself you're using your powers of mind effectively and on one a vast majority of you should find that right now if they're not already touching your fingertips spring together like the world's strongest magnet is touching them together and i can see on here that at the very least marvin's fingers are definitely very close together but it may be that they're actually touching i think would that be fair to say yes Okay, in which case, each and every one of you, you can move them like you just did, but they did end up touching, which proves to me that you've just used your powers of intelligence, imagination, and concentration effectively. Because really, you're the person who does the job. I give you suggestions, but you imagine them and can make them reality. But if you chose to resist, you could do in this short experiment. I mean, if I was over many days and months to use secret mind control techniques, I could do stuff, but well, this is just safe cooperation. So what? I take your four fingers now and put them against the back of your hands. And now squeeze your hands together again like you did before, but then push your hands away from you like this. So you're looking at the back of your hands, you're looking at your, your knuckles, you're looking into your hands like this. And you're pushing your hands away from you and then push your hands up above your head. So your arms are straight above your head look up at your hands at the back of your hands so you're looking up at the back of your hands that's excellent everyone at home pushing their hands high up into the air towards the sky towards the rainbow i'm going to count from three to one on the count of one if you concentrate this time and you use your powers of intelligence imagination and concentration effectively as you did before then you can just prove to yourself that you've done this correctly and find that on the count of one your hands will be stuck fast tight together till I. At my hands. When I clap my hands they'll separate. But on three, just imagine that the fingers of the left hand are lock-glued, welded, cemented to the back of the right hand. And the fingers of the right hand are lock-glued, welded, cemented to the back of the left hand. It's almost as if on the count of two that you can imagine using your powers of intelligence, imagination, and concentration effectively, just as you did before, that it's almost as if the world's strongest superglue is sticking your hands in place. As a one, keep pushing your hands high towards the sky, high towards the rainbow as though you're reaching for your dreams and just prove to yourself you've done this right and you should keep reaching high towards the sky towards the rainbow just try and separate your hands and notice that they're locked glued welded cemented you keep pushing high towards the sky towards the rainbow they're locked the glued the welded cemented tie clap my hands and then they separate you can separate your hands right now they come apart Weird crazy for a lot of you at home that worked wonderfully like it did for Marvin. For some of you, you just found it more difficult than normal and then you will have gone and suddenly, eventually, but with a lot of effort, your hands will have separated. Drop a comment below the YouTube video and let us know how easily, how difficultly or how not at all, uh, to what degree you were or were not able to separate your hands or to what degree and speed your fingers with the magnets rapidly went together. Let's see how many of you were using your powers of intelligence, imagination, and concentration effectively, because in those experiments, that's what it's about. If you focus on the suggestion you're given, that takes, uh, like I'm planting that seed, but it's you that uses your mind and allows it to grow into a reality that in that moment um, becomes that your fingers come together with magnets or that your yeah, hands locked together. But the moment I clapped my hands, they came apart for you. Um, and the reason for that, quite simply, because you then allowed them to come apart because I told you in advance that would be the trigger, the signal that would allow them to come apart. The only reason they stayed together for those of you that did or were difficult to separate is down to the degree of your state of mind taking it seriously and using your powers of mind to visualize what I suggested to you. If, you. if you visualized what I suggested to you, then your hands will either have locked and not come apart till I clap my hands, or they would have been incredibly difficult to separate. But let us know, let us know. Drop a comment below the video on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be intrigued to see what happens. <laughs>
1: It'll be interesting, yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, w- one of the things I want to ask is like so I noticed that in some sort of hypnosis videos that I've come across there's, there's certain words that work quite well with hypnosis and like so I noticed that reading your website you say things about like convincers um, inductions deepeners and awakeners
1: these are just terms that get thrown about pe- by people who run hypnosis training courses. They don't particularly mean anything special. It's just the industry terms for a certain technique that's part of the process. And because people who are seeking out courses of that nature want to see words like that, I kind of have to use the same words. But once they invest into my elite hypnosis boot camp that I mentioned before, that Uh, comes with a full money-back guarantee and marks the floor with anything else out there. In fact, the money-back guarantee clearly states if you can find anything from anyone else anywhere in the world that teaches you more for the same or less money, then I will give you your money back. Uh, But consequently, conversely, I also recommend that a lot of people who've joined the bootcamp have ended up going demanding refunds from people that previously paid a hell of a lot of money to who claim to have taught them everything but then when they've got in my boot camp they've realized it was very lacking so they're just terms they don't really mean anything induction is the word termed for the ritualistic process for hypnotizing somebody awakeners are speak for itself ways of waking people up um suggestion test well that's what we've just done uh, kind of an experiment to see how suggestible somebody is. It's not necessarily just to see how suggestible they are, or to see how seriously they're taking it. Because generally speaking, as I said, the people who took seriously that little experiment we just did will be the people who end up saying that the hands were very difficult to separate or impossible to separate till they heard me clap my hands. Whereas the people who just went boom and the hands separated probably weren't taking it that seriously and were already not really paying for attention so it's also about seeing that the individuals are taking it seriously because if they're in the right frame of mind that makes it a hell of a lot easier for the influencer hypnotist therapist call them what you will to steer things the way that needs to be steered to get whatever the outcome is that's relevant for the context of the situation
0: so but what if someone isn't In that mindset, to hypnotise, how do you deal with? How do you hypnotise someone that was?
1: Well, if they're not paying me, then the fact is I wouldn't bother wasting my time. Whilst there are techniques that make it fully possible, they take time, and if I'm not getting paid, I ain't gonna bother wasting my time. If it was for therapy and they're not paying me, I'm gonna say go and use the free resources on my website that'll cost you nothing, but keep using them until you take it seriously. Because once you take it seriously, it will work for you. It, it, you know, um, if, however, they were paying me because they chose and they wanted to, because for some people in their heads, they decide rightly or wrongly that just watching that free virtual treatment video on my website is not going to be enough for them. They decide in their own head that it will help them a bit, but it won't help them 100%. And the sad thing is if they convince themselves of that, then that will become their reality. And if they do end up believing that, but they decide that because they've been helped, say, 70%, and they feel better, that because they got that for free, they want the other 30%, so they think it'd be worthwhile going to the person who helped them get in the 70%, namely me. And if they came to me and paid me money, but then apparently weren't reacting to the hypnotic induction, then obviously in that context... I would use a different approach because at this point I've got an obligation. I've entered into a, an agreement, a contract that I will guarantee the client a certain result. Otherwise they will get the money back, which I do with all my therapy clients, you know, it's a results guaranteed procedure. Um, So if the individual, I would gauge them through experience. Some people are naturally extroverted and some people are more on the, shy end of the scale and depending on which of those they fell into would give me an idea of which would be the best type of alternative approach to use. so example somebody who is kind of very outgoing uh and confident quite often giving them a sudden extreme shock to the system so rather than telling them you're going to hypnotize them OK, suddenly be talking to them about something apparently unrelated and then suddenly grab hold of their arm and shake their hand down as you shout, sleep, uh, right closely into their ear as then you start shaking them side to side. Um, all these things happening pretty much simultaneously. cause sensory overload, um, pattern interrupts, as it also gets called, but is what gets termed as a shock induction. And that can often work where other more gentle, calming, slow, stereotypical, telling people to relax areas of the body type inductions might be more suited to somebody who's very shy and reserved. Um, And then there's obviously a whole scale of different techniques in between that could be pulled out of the toolkit so to speak, if I was in a situation where I had to get a result there and then, yeah. The point is, you can always get a result if you're flexible enough in your approach, have enough different approaches available, and have enough time available.
0: That's, and that's, okay
1: and repetition is the key that's why television advertising seeing an advert once doesn't make you automatically want to go out and buy that product generally speaking unless you're already thinking about buying that kind of product and synchronicity kicks in and it comes on generally speaking you need to see that baked bean advert for Heinz baked beans maybe that goes beans means Heinz and that earworm to get in your brain you need to see it multiple times over multiple days so that when you're in the supermarket and you think you know what we need baked beans to go with what we're having for tea that when you look on the shelf you're more likely to change brand and pick up the Heinz baked beans than just picking up the supermarket's own brand it needs repetition to get in there and grow So that's what I mean, you know, it can be over a period of time. It might not be a case of spending 30 minutes with somebody on one day. For, you know, the nefarious side of things, uh, such as mind-controlled assassins, it's quite often a matter of only spending 10 or 15 minutes with somebody in a casual environment every day or a couple of days, but over a period of weeks or months that slowly brainwashes and conditions them to react to certain triggers and conditioned responses in the way that you want them to. So that down the line, you can then get them in an environment where you can fire off those triggers and uh, arguably take control of that person's mind and direct them to do what you always plan to get them to do.
0: Okay. It's been a very interesting. I mean, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been very... Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You, there's a lot of things that I can consider.
1: <laughs> I know there's going to be people out there who go, hang on a minute, you can't make people do things against their will. Yeah, you can. Go on magicalguru.com, click on Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis. There is not just my documentary that's an hour and 45 minutes long that we're now giving away for free. Um, but there's also a web series that I did Um um with a producer called richard willett who works closely alongside david ike the british truth researcher and david ike's son's actually in my documentary as you'll see and we cover all the areas religion politics education um advertising the banking system we cover every area of everyday life and demonstrate to you give you the examples and proof of reality of where you are emotionally and psychologically manipulated and how that is done from all angles of your daily life on a daily basis. And also on my website under the television clip section, you can see me getting people to reveal their computer passwords to me so I can break into their computers and um, having complete amnesia and not knowing that I've obtained that information from them, which most hypnotherapists on the planet will tell you is not possible. Well, I did it on Channel 5, and I've done it on other TV shows around the world, you know.
0: So for the layman, like someone yeah. who's, like, what's, what's, a, what's a little thing they can, someone can do in terms of hypnosis to help themselves? So in terms of dealing with someone trying to manipulate them, and then also not manipulation, but having more positive interactions with other people.
1: The easiest way to avoid yourself being manipulated, whether that's consciously or subliminally, okay, whether that's through social interactions with family and friends, work colleagues, or it's on the bigger scale of everyday life through your religious minister, politician, advertising or the media, is to set aside an hour and 45 minutes and watch my documentary, Extreme Danger, Extreme Hypnosis because when it's pointed out to you where this has been going on around you all through your life, once you become consciously aware of those things that up till now have been happening at an unconscious, subconscious, subliminal level, you can never be blind to them again. And once you're not blind to them and you know they're happening, you then are empowered and have got the conscious choice to accept or reject. Whereas when you're not consciously aware of them and they get into your unconscious, subconscious mind, you know what? You don't really have a choice to reject. As long as those messages are repeated long enough, it will take different lengths of time for different people. But as long as they're repeated long enough, if they're going in without conscious acknowledgement, which is where you can accept or reject, then sooner or later you are going to end up being influenced and manipulated and controlled by it. The biggest thing you can do is to become consciously aware of how these techniques are used. And that's the entire point of extreme danger, extreme hypnosis, the documentary you can watch. Free of charge. Again, we were selling it at one point on Amazon On Demand and Vimeo, but then the world went crazy. And myself and the producer saw that the media were lying to people and politicians were lying to people and inciting fear and confusion into people and things we've talked about. And my documentary exposes this now as people take control for themselves and myself and the producers and everyone involved said, you know what? Sod it. It's not about making money. Let's take it off sale. So now if you go on Amazon Prime Video On Demand, you'll you'll see it says it's advertised there, but it says no longer available. That's because we're now giving it away free and you can just watch it immediately by clicking the links that's on extreme danger, extreme hypnosis page of magicalguru.com. And that'll take you over to the video where it's hosted for free on um, YouTube and also on Vimeo. Um, That is the, you've got to become consciously aware. Once you're consciously aware, you can choose to consciously accept or reject. When you're not consciously aware with enough repetition, you are going to get influenced to some degree.
0: Okay. Now, one thing I want to ask is what life advice would you give to would you give to your younger self if you saw them now?
1: Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um I think the piece of advice I would probably give to a younger me, and let's take an example of, say, an eight-year-old me, so that's kind of when things were starting to go down that depression route I spoke about earlier because of the bullying, and I think this would apply to anyone now, however old they are, would be the reality of life is it's impossible to make everybody like you. There will always be people who don't like you or they think they don't like you, but the truth is they've never met you, they'd never really know you, which is more prevalent through the fakeness of social media, but they don't like what you stand for or what you do or what you believe. There's always going to be people that disagree with you. And if you spend your life too focused on trying to please all of the people all the time, all it will ultimately do is cause you misery and pain. Accept the fact that you're never going to please everybody. But as long as you're not going to physically, emotionally, mentally, or in any other way harm anyone with what you do, then... You know, if they get upset and take exception to something you say or do, well, tough luck. There's always going to be some people who get upset. But as long as you're not going out physically ripping people off or hurting them. Um, Cliché, treat people the way you'd expect to be treated yourself. Then have pride in yourself and just find the audience and the friends and the associates and the people that do resonate with you that do like what you do, that do accept what you do and just know that there will always be people that don't like you and that the more successful you get, the more there will be people who are jealous, vindictive or look at your success and rather than taking it as inspiration that if that person can achieve that, so could I. See it as, why should they have achieved that? Why not me? And they get all negative. Um, Be the person who... who concentrates on being the best possible you.
0: Okay, And what are values you have in terms of the people you mix with well, and yourself?
1: Um, me personally, I don't mix with a lot of people. Um, I'm not a massively social animal. I will. There are people who are in my audience, who are, who do resonate, that I will meet up with um, and sometimes that's small groups, sometimes big groups like specialist conventions, you know, like your Doctor Who fans that go to a doctor Who convention. there are similar in the magic community. because I still magic's still my hobby even though I don't particularly concentrate on that as a career anymore. Um, so generally speaking, It is just, don't cause anyone any undue, unnecessary pain or hardship. Keep yourself to yourself. I just That's me personally, because don't be bothered. Does it matter if somebody else is social media posts to getting more likes than yours? Is it really going to change your world? No. If you get your sense of worth in life through getting more likes on your social media posts... You need to closely examine what you're doing with your life, seriously.
0: Okay. And what's the biggest achievement in your life? What, what's something that's happened in your life that you're most proud of?
1: Oh, without a doubt, um, it, it's it's unquestionably uh, the thing that I'm proudest of is how exceptionally talented. Academically bright, but also creatively talented uh, and friendly and well liked amongst so many different social circles. Um, Just by nature of the amazing person she is that my daughter has become and is.
0: Oh, fantastic. And what does she do the same sort of thing as you, or...?
1: No, no, she's far more talented. Um, f- far more difficult things she does, like singing and dancing, multiple different, you name it, from ballroom dancing to modern dancing, to tap, to ones I've never heard of, acting, um, create normal art, painting, drawing. She just massively, creatively talented. Okay. No, and, but academically as well with your normal stuff. I mean, your normal stuff: your maths, your English, your physics, and all that. She's a, she's, a, you know, consistently a grade A student. Um, whereas, you know, I didn't pay much attention to such things at school. So I'm mean, immensely, on all levels, immensely. That's what I'm proudest of in life.
0: And has she turned what she loves into a full-time job where she doesn't have to do other things?
1: Um, well, she, she's still at school, so. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. But, but, yeah, ironically, she kind of, um, she is earning money um, because she, 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 she's got a management company and uh, has appeared in um, television shows and um, films. Um, you don't see her face, but she plays a big part in a thing called Creeped Out, um, a children's uh, thing that's on Netflix in most places of the world. Series season two, you'll see um, The Curious, a big character in that that's at the beginning and end of each programme is played by Ashley Smith. So yeah, way more talented than me. Yeah,
0: so, and, okay, well, I just wanna say I will, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of things to think about and I think a lot of people are gonna think about a lot and I will probably, edit this podcast and i produce it around a month or two
1: whenever yeah just let me know when so that i can uh, share it around for you
0: yeah and i'll i'll get out to as many people as possible and yeah just make the most of what this this time we're in and i will drop you a message
1: all right dude yeah uh, as soon as you do once it's out there I, i'd say i'll share it to all my uh, I've got a mailing list of people that sign up for a newsletter, so send it to them as well as on all the social media platforms and whatnot.
0: Yeah, let's see what happens. And I think, yeah, just take care and I'll speak to you soon.
1: All right, cheers, Marvin. You take care, buddy. Take care. All right, bye bye.